So thanks everybody for joining me today. I just want to uh, thank you, especially uh, we're trying to, to all of us cope with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, and this is the first, uh, as of today, Dauphin County is now in the yellow phase. So this is the first chance we've had to be together. And I, I appreciate uh, your forbearance as we've gone through this to, together and appreciate your willingness to come in here and, and uh, be with us. Um, before we get to the coronavirus, I just want to make a comment on what happened out in Minneapolis. And, and I want to make sure that, that I share my condolences and the condolences of everybody in my administration with the family of George Floyd. Um, and it reminds us what we need to do here in Pennsylvania as well. This happened in Minnesota, far away, a different state. But every one of us, each and every one of us in Pennsylvania has a stake in making sure that our society is fair and we treat everybody equally. Uh, if some of us are not free, if some of us are not treated equally, all of us are in jeopardy. We need to do this every day. We need to recognize this in every corner of our society. So again, even though this happened in Minnesota, this has relevance for us here in Pennsylvania. Uh, racism is not right there. It's not right here. And we've got to do everything to make sure that especially the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is welcoming to everybody. Now I'd like to update you on the response to the pandemic. Uh, today, the first Pennsylvania counties moved into the green phase, as you know, for the, the COVID-19 recovery. Uh, next week at 12.01, Friday, June 5th, 16 more counties will move from yellow to green. They are Allegheny County, Armstrong, Bedford, Blair, Butler, Cambria, Clinton, Fayette, Fulton, Green, Indiana, Lycoming, Mercer, Somerset, Washington, and Westmoreland counties at 16. And every county that is currently in the red phase is slated to move into the yellow phase at the same time, 1201 on Friday, June 5th. That's Berks County, Bucks, Chester, Delaware, Lackawanna, Lancaster, Lehigh, Montgomery, Northampton, and Philadelphia counties. We will continue to monitor these counties and we'll keep talking with local officials so that everyone, everyone feels comfortable as we move toward reopening. Again, the goal here is to make sure that every Pennsylvanian has, is confident that they're going to be safe uh, moving from one of these phases into the next. Uh, once again, we've selected these counties based on the recommendations of medical and epidemiological experts. We've been able to do this because of the precautions taken by Pennsylvanians. We've, we've had some great success here. Things like wearing masks, as you're all doing, and the work of our hospital systems and our local officials. I think you know this. We've increased our testing to up to the, the high point a couple days ago, 13,000 tests per day. Uh, at more than 300 sites uh, around the state. And this is important because it's not just the number of tests, but how accessible are those tests uh, to Pennsylvanians. We have more test sites than any other state in the United States, and we keep uh, figuring out ways to open uh, more. We've also expanded our contact tracing to allow a case investigation right now of every single new and diagnosed case. Because of this, we're able to take important steps to return to a sense of normalcy uh, again as we remain careful and vigilant. Counties moving from the red to yellow or yellow to green will see more businesses reopen and more activities resume. But it is important that we continue to act with caution, especially, especially as we reopen. Let's remember how quickly this virus spread back in March when it, when it first arrived because we were not yet taking precautions. We weren't wearing masks back then. We weren't exercising social distancing. We weren't staying at home. We needed to buy time, and we did that. Um, but before we, we bought time, before we were successful, we saw six weeks of exponential growth of this, this virus. When we isolated ourselves to limit the likelihood of transmissions, we succeeded in reducing our new case count, and we succeeded in reducing the rate of hospitalization. We also increased our testing, and that helped. But we can't isolate ourselves forever. We can't do that forever, and we still, we still don't have enough tests. We still don't have a vaccine. So we need to continue to be careful. That's the point. At our peak, our daily new case count topped 2,000. That was back in the beginning, back in March. Now, even with increased testing, increases the denominator, and reopened businesses and activities, our daily count is now below 600. It's well below 1,000. 
and our contact tracing capabilities are growing daily, which is allowing for an increasing number of Pennsylvanians to resume activities without unknowingly contracting or spreading COVID-19. Again, all of this won't be enough if we don't, all of us, 13 million Pennsylvanians, continue to take simple but important precautions to prevent the outbreak of, uh, prevent outbreaks and spikes in cases. Again, one of these precautions is wearing masks. For some reason, I don't know why, wearing masks has become politicized, even though scientific studies have shown that it actually reduces the likelihood of spreading COVID-19. In fact, one study found that wearing just a tea towel around your nose and mouth reduces the spread of droplets by 60%. This means fewer infections, and fewer infections mean fewer outbreaks and fewer spikes in cases. It'll mean that our lives can return more quickly to the normalcy that, that we all look forward to. We also need employers to be responsible and diligent. Most of them have been, and I thank those employers for doing their part to keep their workers, their customers, and their families safe. Uh, we need you to keep being responsible. If employees are sick, encourage them to stay home. If your workers, notify your workers and take steps if, if their fellow workers uh, are sick. Take steps outlined by the Department of Health to keep your workplace safe uh, by sanitizing surfaces. If all of us take the simple steps of wearing a mask, staying at home when we can, especially when we're sick, uh, and practicing social distancing tactics, we're going to all work together uh, to succeed in eliminating the spread of COVID-19. It will make a huge contribution to making getting our Commonwealth back on track. So thank you very much again for all of you being here. Now I'm going to turn things over to Secretary Levine. Dr. Levine. Here is our latest update on COVID-19 in Pennsylvania. As of 12 a.m. this morning, we have 693 new cases of COVID-19. This brings our statewide total to 70,735 Pennsylvanians who have tested positive for COVID-19 in all 67 counties. Tragically, 5,464 deaths have been attributed to COVID-19. Statewide, we are now estimating that 64% of people with COVID-19 have recovered. As more counties move into the green and yellow phases, we all have an important job. We need to stay alert. Please be alert to your surroundings when you leave your house and you go out. Plan on how you're going to maintain social distancing when you go to places where there's going to be a lot of people. That could be the grocery store, that could be the pharmacy, it might be other stores as we go into the yellow and the green, or it could be work. If you can't social distance, actually consider whether or not you really have to go. And just like before, just like you remember your keys and your cell phone before you go out, add a mask, add hand sanitizer to that list. When you get together with friends or family, try to stay outdoors as much as possible. The weather is getting much better. Please enjoy the beautiful summer weather. Make sure your children have a mask and know how to properly use it. It's going to be harder for them to keep social distancing, but it's important to keep them safe even when they're playing. While we can resume some of our regular activities, it is important to be alert to the fact that COVID-19 has not gone away. Be aware and alert, and that will keep you, your family, and really all of us safe. Now here are my daily reminders. Please wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, or the time it takes to sing happy birthday twice. Use hand sanitizer if soap and water are not available. Cover any coughs or sneezes with your elbow, not with your hands, and please don't touch your face, especially after touching surfaces clean surfaces frequently. And if you have to go out for life-sustaining activities or other activities now, please wear a mask if you're going to come into contact with others. If you have questions about your health, please contact your health care provider. If you need mental health resources because you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please contact the crisis text line by texting PA to 741-741 or call the statewide Support and Referral Helpline at 1-855-284-2494.
Again, 1-855-284-2494. If you or someone you care about needs help with a substance use disorder, please call the Department of Drug and Alcohol Program's Get Help Now hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. Again, 1-800-662-HELP. For the most reliable information related to Pennsylvania's response to COVID-19, please visit our website at health.pa.gov. And what is most important for Pennsylvanians to remember is stay calm, stay alert, and stay safe. And now uh, the governor and I are pleased to answer questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Lizzie, Lizzie. Sorry, Lizzie. Yeah, no, thank you. It's the masks. <laughs> um, I want to ask about testing. So um, this month, I think there were only seven days when Pennsylvania hit its goal of doing and reporting 8,500 tests per day. So I understand there's still backlogs in testing. Can you explain why we haven't met our monthly goal? Um, I think with two days left, we still have like 20% to of our kind of monthly quota to meet of testing 2% of the population. So What's the holdup, and is it really safe to open the state in a week um, if we can't do this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Well, first, we have a phased reopening, so it's not, not everyone's going to green. It's that uh, all the counties will be in yellow. Um, but we have been doing much better in terms of our testing. We have much better testing capacity than we had before. We have been working with the federal government in terms of getting the swabs and the media, uh, which they deliver actually to us, and we push out uh, throughout the state. In addition, uh, the companies are doing much better in terms of getting not only us, but hospitals, as well as uh, commercial laboratories like LabCorp and Quest, the different materials need to use for testing. Um, uh, basically, we have increased our testing from three to 4,000 tests a day to five to 6,000 tests a day to now regularly 10, 11, 12, 13,000 tests a day. The number went significantly down over the Memorial Day holiday. Um, and so all of the testing went down over that time. Um, really, that's because um, the public didn't come out for testing. I mean, uh, the, those pharmacies are available, hospitals are available for doing testing. We're continuing to increase our testing at long-term care living facilities. There are now 45 facilities uh, that have been have tested everyone, um, but the numbers went significantly down. They always go down on the weekends, and they went down on the holidays. We're going to continue to work to expand that. Okay, so, um, when, you, when you set this benchmark a month ago, though, it seemed modest even by the standards that health researchers are recommending for a state of our size. So were there unexpected hiccups that you encountered this month that prevented you from meeting the benchmark that I think a lot of people expected would be pretty feasible? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the biggest challenge that we have right now is that uh, the numbers go down from 13,000, 12, 13,000 a day to like seven or 8,000 on the weekends. And so we're going to need to do to, to, to make sure that we continue to get people out uh, who have symptoms or anyone now to, to, get, to get tested on the weekends. We have the capacity to do it on the weekends. We just don't have the people going out. That's specifically challenging on holiday weekends. So you have a three-day weekend. Um, but we want to continue to expand our testing. We're working with CVS, we're working with Rite Aid, we're working with uh, Walmart and Quest, uh, we're working with other um, uh, pharmacies as well as um, some, some walk-in clinics, etc., to be able to expand testing. We want to make it accessible and available to the, the public in addition to going to the doctor's office or the hospital, uh, and the mass testing site is still open in, in Montgomery County, but we want to make it accessible to people in the community. Uh, we also want to do specific outreach to vulnerable communities and working with the Lieutenant Governor's Task Force, as well as our own work group with the Department of Health, we have various ideas about how we're going to target certain vulnerable minority communities to make sure we get testing there, too. Even though you're not meeting the benchmarks, do you have enough data to make the decisions that you're making about reopening? Yes, we have enough data to be able to do that. Could, could I just add something to that? The, the, uh, you know, one of the problems is sort of a moving target. We're not even close to, to the point where we have enough tests to do surveillance testing, where anybody who wants to have a test can, right now, you have to have some symptoms, some, some sense that you, you need to have a test. Uh, we also have the, the, the challenge of making sure, as the Secretary said, making sure they're accessible. So one of the things we've done to that is it's not just a matter of having the ability to provide the tests, it's the ability to, to, to do them in, in areas. So we have, what, three 
318 yeah. testing sites now uh, spread throughout most of Pennsylvania, not every county, but almost every county. Those are the kinds of things we, we have to do. I think um, uh, until we get to a point where we can do surveillance testing for everybody, which is way off in the future, I mean, we have 13 million people, that would probably require a test what, once at least once a month. I don't think we have any sense of what, what that, that actually means. Uh, but we are in a much different and better place now in terms of the uh, spread, the, the accessibility of these tests, and, and the ability of someone just to walk into a CVS and say, I'd like to have a test. You, you couldn't do that four weeks ago. You can now. So we are we are moving toward that. Uh, there are going to be ups and downs as we move toward that. Some of these downs will be as a result of people just not making the decision to get a test. It might be because the uh, number of people experiencing uh, uh, problems is down. Uh, all these things are going to affect the number of, of tests that we actually do. But our capacity is much greater. And I think, I think we, we're comfortable that it's moving generally over a period of time, weekends accepted, uh, in, the right, in the right direction. Is it like a supply and demand problem? Like, you, do, you, do you have an ample supply of tests that you're saying people are not seeking them out? So four, four weeks ago, that the answer would have been no, we don't. Now, um, again, for, for what we're testing, I think we feel a lot more confident. In terms of surveillance testing, we, we are a long way from, from being there, where, where anybody can get a test and where we have a test that actually can be turned around quickly. We're working on that. We keep talking about uh, a plan to do short-term tests, but also what's the aspirational plan. And testing one way or another is going to be at the heart of, of whatever we do to, to try to make people comfortable going back to work, going back to the store, going back to, to a school. Until we get to, to that point, we're, we're not going to be a good place. We, we are not there yet. Hey, Ed, then Sarah. Uh, Governor? Yes. Uh, hey. Hi. Last night, the House of Representatives passed a resolution to partially terminate your disaster declaration. Right. Eight Democrats joined them. What's your reaction to the eight Democrats joining that resolution effort? And overall, what kind of pressure are you feeling from members of your own party to reopen businesses more quickly? I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pressure from all over the place, including from myself. I'm frustrated by where we are. The, the challenge we, we've had, the first challenge we had was to, to keep the uh, outbreak from overwhelming our healthcare system. And that's what we did. And that's why the numbers are, are doing what they're doing right now, uh, because we were successful in buy-in time. Uh, so we have the capacity, we have testing capacity we didn't have before. We have the ability, uh, we, we, I think we have 300 ventilators in use. We have 5,000 that, that, that are out and about right now, but only 300 are in use. Two months ago, we were concerned that, that especially in certain parts of the state, we'd be overwhelmed. We're, we're not overwhelmed now. So uh, we, we are reopening. I think we're reopening in a measured way. But I think everybody is frustrated. Everybody wants to get back. I want to get back to, to as close to normal as, as we can be. So I recognize the, the frustration. But again, this is not a matter of me saying I'm going to wave a magic wand or flick a switch and we're going to be open. It's a matter of how do we get people to feel comfortable and confident that they can go back to, to life as they want it to be in this new post-infectious disease world. That's what we're all struggling with. So when, when someone expresses frustration, whether it's voting in a way that I don't agree with, I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans, I understand it. But that's not going to help in terms of getting people to actually feel comfortable. We're trying to do everything we can to say, here are the guidelines. Here's, here's what we think we ought to be looking at in terms of moving into less restrictive territory. Uh, if, if we don't follow these guidelines, we're risking, we're taking risks with that virus. That's the enemy. Not me, not Donald Trump, not a member of the House of Representatives or the State Senate. It's that virus. And what we're all trying to do in this new territory that we find ourselves in is trying to defeat that virus. And can you agree to that if it gets to you? If, if it gets to my desk, yes. Yeah, I want to follow up on, this is Sarah Simon with I want to follow up on Lizzie's question about testing, because I'm sitting here crunching the numbers right now, um, as I have been doing over the past month, and nowhere do I see that the state of Pennsylvania got up to 13,000 tests. I'm wondering if you can explain that, because here's what I'm doing. I'm adding the number mm -hmm. of negative PCR tests every day with the number of total cases every day. I see a high of 11,250 on May 20, 21st, 
Uh, but I see over the past two weeks that we've, we've hit about 8,400. So I'm wondering, where does that yeah. 13,000 yeah, The 13,000 was reported to me, so. Yeah, where does it come from and does it include antibodies? So it does not include antibody tests. This is only including the PCR tests. And so we can have our team do a deep dive with you on that. It has to do with with um, the, the individuals who have been tested, and some individuals have been tested twice, but it's only going to show up on your data that they were tested. It, it's individuals who were tested, and so if someone was tested and they were tested again, um, either as a, um, to see if they were positive, as they were they had symptoms, they or uh, they were and they tested negative. Well, they have more symptoms. They're tested again, um, or if they were tested to see if their COVID has, has gone away. It has to do with the people who were tested. So we'll have to have somebody sit down with you and do a deep dive, but we're very confident in our numbers. I understand that if you just add up the positive negatives, it does, yeah, but it has to do with how we report our numbers. So there's the number of 13,000. Is that misleading? Is that, is that giving people a false impression of, of no. current spread of the virus? No, I don't think it's, it, it's giving a false impression at all. I, I think that... To the, to the extent that it, it raises the denominator, more people are being tested, uh, you, you might say, uh, the, you could say if, if the uh, infectious, infection rate stayed the same, you would see an increase in case count. What we're actually seeing is a decrease in the percentage of people who are testing positive. So that's a very important point, is that one of the things that we follow really closely is the percent of positive tests. So what percent of all the tests that are done are positive? That has been going down significantly since sometime middle of, middle of April. Uh, so now, just from a statewide, it's less than it's less than 10%. Um, and so that is a very important factor in terms of the amount of COVID-19 um, uh, in the community. And we know that on a regional basis as well. And so, so we, and we actually even know that from a county basis. So we know that the percent positives um, of the tests have been going down significantly throughout the state, even in the Northeast and the Southeast. And that's a very important factor that, uh, that makes us comfortable in terms of going from red to yellow in the Southeast. Barbara and then Sarah Villette. Um, for Governor Wolf, uh, we saw over Memorial Day weekend some events that had crowds. Uh, Carlisle Events says right now it's planning to go ahead with its car show June 17th to 21st, which would draw tens of thousands of people. Also, there was a large crowd at Lincoln Speedway. They're planning to race this weekend, yet Williams Grove is not tonight. I'm wondering if you can weigh in with some guidance on these large events as we see them starting to... Yeah, uh, again, as a former business owner, uh, I, I think I would do everything in my power to keep my customers, my employees safe. And, and to the extent you uh, uh, bring people together in close quarters uh, where this infectious disease can spread more easily. You're, you're playing roulette with, with the health of your, uh, your, your employees and, and your, your customers. And I, I don't know why you'd want to do that. This question's for the governor from WBRE. Sarah, I <laughs> <laughs> Concerns have been expressed by many voters and county election bureau officials around the Commonwealth that election results Tuesday may be delayed or late coming in because of the large number of vote-by-mail ballots. What's your response to those concerns and what actions, if any, has the Commonwealth taken to address those concerns? Yeah, that's a, uh, no one knows at this point. This is the first time that we've had this many uh, people vote by mail. Uh, typically in, in an election, uh, presidential primary election, you have maybe 200,000 uh, votes that come in by mail, the absentee, traditional absentee ballots. Uh, right now, with Act 77, uh, on a bipartisan basis, there are almost 2 million uh, people voting by mail or have made application. Uh, and so every county is, is I think, working hard to, to deal with this. The uh, General Assembly did move the counting start from the end of uh, the closing of the polls at 8 o'clock on Election Day to 7 a.m. that day. So that gives them a little more time, but I would, I, and so no one knows how long this is going to take. I would bet that there will be some, some delays, that it will take longer uh, to bring the vote in uh, than it would come in if everybody went to the polling sta station one day, especially with the new electronic uh, votes. Uh, it'll probably take longer. At this point, no one knows. It's the first time we've ever done that, done this. Uh, and I think for the most part, uh, counties have done a, a good job. I know I'm voting by mail. My wife is voting by mail. And we both uh, made our application, both got our ballots, and both sent them off. Thank you. Yeah, John Hey, Jan. Um, I was wondering if you could comment on 
on uh, the numbers diagnosed, the health numbers diagnosed being disclosed this week and how it was handled. It, it seems like there's a, a general feeling among the legislators, including now some senators, saying that when someone in the capital is diagnosed, that that needs to be not necessarily the individual's name widely known, but the fact that there is a case because of the interaction right. that happened. I was just wondering if you could yeah, I mean, again, it gets back to being an employer with 70-some thousand employees in the, in the state, a lot of whom work in buildings in, in, in Harrisburg. And I think uh, something like that leads to concern on the part of our employees. I'm, uh, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but I can see why members of the, the General Assembly would be concerned. And if you were diagnosed, would you self-disclose immediately? Yes. John, and then Ford. Hey, Governor. Hi. Just a... Uh, Obviously, living across north central Pennsylvania, much of the region is going green. Right. And there are exceptions. So those of us who were in green counties are happy, and those of our neighbors are, are unhappy. Uh, Union County is kind of sticking out like a thumb at this point, sort of between Snyder and Lycoming and some of the other areas. I, do you have any explanation for why that county kind of got left behind? Yeah, let, let me, and, and this is this has changed. So, so uh, this is, uh, we, we, as we learn more, uh, we, we use uh, new techniques. But And I wrote this down so, so that the, the there's no confusion. We look at three things right now uh, in terms of determining whether a county can move from one phase to, to the next. We look at higher rates of new cases in the past seven days. If that's declining uh, over a seven-day period, we like that. Second, over a 14-day period, if there's an increase uh, or decrease in the number in the percentage of positive cases, again, as we see a decrease in the percentage of positive cases, that's a good thing. And then third, uh, we're, we're looking at outbreaks that can't be managed with contact tracing. So if an area has an outbreak uh, for whatever reason and it doesn't look like they have the capacity to deal with it, that's a concern for us. Right now, those are the three things that we're looking at. So I can't speak specifically to, to Union County or or any of the counties, but as we move from one place to the, to the, the next, and, and if we ever move from, say, green back to yellow or yellow to red, these are the things that we're looking at. Again, the effort is to try to keep people safe. It's not to try to poke holes or make political judgments. It's saying, yeah, okay, you either do have the capacity, you're either going in the right direction or you're not. If you're not, that's a problem, not just for, for me or for, for you as a county commissioner, but for the, the constituents and citizens who live in that, that area. So we're just trying to do what we do when Republicans or Democrats uh, do a county health uh, med or a health check at a, at a restaurant uh, or a fire uh, check to see if you're, you're staying within your capacity, all those things. Those are efforts to try to do what we can to give guidance to keep people safe. Uh, On the um, sort of the, 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 the logistics of the decision making, because you obviously have this meeting where you have your experts and your, your cabinet tell you things. And yeah. Are you vetoing counties or are you just accepting what they're telling me i'm accepting i, I the, the the decisions that these folks are coming to me with are not political decisions uh these are decisions based on the three criteria right now that i'm talking about tomorrow it might be different you know we, we might learn some new things but right now this is what we're, we're dealing with as you recall back in the early days we didn't have a, a lot of data we were looking at fairly crude measures like how many uh cases per hundred thousand well some of that depend on how many uh, tests, what your testing capacity was. I think we're getting better and better at this. The hope is a month from now we'll be even better. Board, then Mark. Hi, Governor. Thanks for doing these in person. Sure. Uh, this is a follow-up on John's question, really. Uh, the metric that was one of the first things you talked about when your reopening plan was unveiled was 50 new cases on average right. over a 14-day period, right. 100,000. I guess part A of the question is that off the table now. As far as no, I think we, as I said to John, I think we've we've learned more and, and we have a better uh, access to, to data. Uh, when we didn't, that that was that was something that was. I mean, I, obviously, I, I still I can, I can. maybe you can talk about. I'm not sure how we picked the 50 out of 100,000. Could have been 53. I, I mean, but we picked 50. Now I think we have uh, access to more data and we can be a little more subtle and sophisticated in what we do. But maybe you want to talk. Sure. So the 50 per hundred. 
100,000 is an incidence rate, right? It's a per incidence rate per capita. And um, so that was really important, especially when um, uh, our testing was not as sufficient as we were talking about. I mean, then we were doing sometimes two or 3,000, maybe then four and 5,000 tests. Now that we are up to, up to doing, um, you know, over the last number of days, except for the holidays, 10, 11, 12, 13,000 tests a day, using an incidence rate is not as valid of, of a metric as you have more tests. Um, the 50 per 100,000 was picked because um, that is the, the definition of a, of a moderate rate for the CDC. Can you, well, can you speak to the counties that are going to go yellow next? Friday. A week from today. Right. Mostly in the southeastern corner of the state, Correct. including Lehigh and Rockhampton, who you know, have been using this, sort of, when they think of metrics, that's the one they think of, and when they go yellow, they're going to still be way above it. So, Correct. Did, do the people who have been sort of waiting and sort of looking at the science to um, guess when they're going to reopen, do they have a reason to be frustrated? Like, couldn't we have been open sooner? You know? Well, so our, as the governor was saying, um, our metrics have evolved, right? And they're going to change depending upon the situations on the ground. Uh, and so using that, that, it was never that one incidence rate. I mean, it was one of the things we looked at, and people glommed onto it because it's a specific number. Um, I would also highlight the data from the Carnegie Mellon University, uh, and that's available on our website. There are also trajectory animations, um, which are the number of new cases, new cases over seven days. Those are really, really interesting um, animations that are available on our website. Uh, we also have used modeling. We haven't stuck with any one model. We understand perfectly that a model is just a model. Uh, there's modeling, and, and there are many different models that we've looked at. There's the University of Pittsburgh School of Public Health model. There's the Ch uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia um, a policy lab model. There's a new Penn Wharton model. There's the model from um, the, another group at Penn has done a model. There's also the model from the University of Washington that's been used federally a lot. There's not just one model that determines that. And then we have CMU, and then we look at exactly the things that, doc, that, the, that the, uh, the governor was talking about in terms of the, the rate of change over seven and 14 days, uh, the, the percent positivity rate, which was very high in the past and has gone down very, very nicely. Um, and uh, uh, and so those are all the different things that have gone into our decision. But using that specific incident rate no longer was relevant, and so that's why we're not using it now. Let me just add something. Again, we've got to keep reminding ourselves that, that we're not in conflict. Uh, we're not running up against some abstract numbers or politicians. We're fighting that virus. And, and we continually look for better and better ways to try to figure out what that virus is doing. We know that virus is sneaky, that it wants to infect us, wants to make us sick, and, and if, if it can, kill us. And we want to try to, to, to defeat that virus. So all we're doing is focused on, on what it's going to take to defeat that virus. So if you're out there and you're looking at, at uh, what we're doing here and saying, I think you know, we, we should be frustrated that we didn't move faster, well, it's not us. We're doing the best we can. What we're all trying to do and what every citizen of Pennsylvania is trying to do is defeat that virus. Mark Vendennis. Hello, Governor, Madam Secretary. Uh, thanks for having us. Um, as you know, there seems to be a wide expectation there will be a resurgence of the virus in the fall. Right. Could you provide us an update on the planning for that, including hopefully specifics about schools? Is there a date, for example, by which parents will be will know whether or not they're going to have schools open? Well, the, the, we are going to be opening schools, whether it's uh, August or September. Uh, that depends on the local school district. But but we're working no on no question. The guidelines are now the schooling will look different. I mean, you, you'll probably have more uh, online learning and maybe less classroom learning. There might be fewer students in each classroom on average, that kind of thing. So it probably will look different, but the, the Department of Education is working on those guidelines, and I think we, we're, they should be out next early next week. Yes. What about other planning for the fall? I mean, this uh, we're, we're planning for the fall. And, and to, for exactly what you said, I, we don't have the plan. I think we're hoping to have maybe, yeah, Rachel, you want to talk about that, but, but we, we are... And there, the couple of things that we are assuming, first of all, we, we cannot do a lockdown. We cannot do a shelter in place. That's just not going to work. But what do we do? Uh, we are going to have more capacity in our healthcare system. We're going to have the ability to do more testing. We're going to have some things. We're probably not going to have a vaccine. 
uh, come come the fall, come the next, uh, the coming flu season. So all those assumptions we're bringing into to the plan, and we're, we're working on that uh, every day. But maybe you yes, want to sir. talk about that. So as the governor was saying, um, you know, we are actively making plans for the fall. So I'm going to talk about the public health response because that's what I'm responsible for. Um, so uh, we, we want to expand testing much more than we're doing now. Um, and uh, we are hoping for um, a, 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 but we'll see, but I'm, I'm optimistic, a rapid, accurate point of care test. Uh, that can be done very simply from not a nasal pharyngeal swab. If you haven't had one, it's not as much fun as it sounds. Um, but a, a just a nasal swab or an oral swab that can be done. You can have a rapid test done by, um, often by a person that's not a healthcare provider, maybe even a home test. Um, and that the results are in 20, 15, 20 minutes. And it has a very good, particularly a very good sensitivity. Um, sensitivity means it has a very low false negative rate. If you have a screening test, it's really bad to have a lot of false negatives because that means you're missing a lot of different people and that's that's bad for a screening test. So we are hopeful. There are many companies, Pennsylvania companies and companies outside of Pennsylvania working on that test. And so I think that will be very helpful. It's not absolutely essential, but it will be really helpful to have that. Even now, it takes 24 to 48 hours to get a test result back. That's less useful for the type of things the governor is talking about for businesses and for schools. So we'll see. Um, in addition, um, it might be that antibody tests will be useful. There are many different things we have to know about antibody tests. One is, are they accurate? Right? Do they have a good sensitivity and specificity? We don't really know that now uh, for many of the tests. Um, and how protective are those antibodies? There is some suggestion in the literature that the antibodies are protective against COVID-19, at least partially protective, but we don't really know that yet, how long live they are. Um, hopefully, in the next um, you know, uh, uh, three to four months, we're going to know a lot more about the, the accuracy and the meaning of the antibody tests. So very widespread testing, very in, uh, in, in intensive um, case investigations and contact tracers. We're going to be looking for several thousand contact tracers throughout the state, and again, and that's not just us, it's working with our county municipal health department. So if someone tests positive, we immediately do um, uh, case investigation, we immediately do contact tracing, those people are isolated and quarantined and we can stop outbreaks. That's what many of the countries did in Asia that were successfully able to prevent the kind of spread that we saw in the United States. So that's our goal for the fall. I, I would like to follow up with the government. Yes. So I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying about the uh, about the shutdown. There's absolutely not going to be another shutdown, not like a, a one to like one county if there's a it, and it's and, and that's forever. You're never doing this again, no matter how bad it gets. No, I, I, I'm saying that that the goal is that we don't do that. The assumption is that, that that's not an option. We want to do everything in our power to avoid that, and we will. Dennis, for Secretary Levine, if I could. Yes. Um, so as you know, this week a Republican lawmaker tested positive or he tested positive. Some Democrats were upset that uh, they weren't informed. And I'm told that those Democrats chatted with you mm -hmm. and told, laid out the scenario and that the word I heard was that you said, well, it seems that they followed the proper protocol, meaning uh, leadership at the House. Is that accurate? Well, so I absolutely spoke with the Democratic Caucus. I'm very pleased to speak with any legislators, and I do all the time. Um, and I outlined what our policies and procedures are for a positive test. That if you have a positive test in the business about how the Human Resources Department is notified, and then they do their in investigation, uh, that the Department of Health is notified. I mean, we know every positive test, and with every positive test, we do case investigations and contact tracing. I can't talk to specifics for obvious reasons, but but I can tell you that uh, we we perform those functions. And but this is obviously going to become a problem now. Now we're in a COVID-19 world for employers. Uh, is there some guidance you can offer them as to, because obviously mm -hmm. balance privacy versus sure. safety of other people? Sure. There, there are guidelines for employers and what they and what they should do, and, and that's both in, in the government and outside the government. Um, and to be honest with you, the HR directors know exactly what they're supposed to do. Um, but then the Department of Health, all I can say is we investigate every test and we do contact tracing with every positive test in the, in the Commonwealth. Fox 23 and then 21. 
Dennis have kind of covered it, but the HIPAA laws you're saying do not apply to businesses, or they do? Well, so well, when they, uh, I mean, well, the way we do things and the way businesses do things is that they don't, if we do contact tracing, we don't call up somebody and say, you were exposed to John Smith. John Smith has COVID-19, and you were exposed to John, and thus you should quarantine. When we call up, we say, you were exposed to someone with COVID-19. We know that is to be true, and you had close contact with that person, and you need to quarantine. And so um, confidentiality is maintained. So then going to the state lawmaker who tested positive, should all state lawmakers have been notified? They said that they only contacted ones that they knew were in close contact, but some Democrats, mm -hmm. they were in close contact and were uh, notified. So I can't comment on any specific case, whether that case was in north central Pennsylvania, in the capital, or in, in uh, Washington County. I cannot comment on any specific case. I can just tell you what our procedure is. And we always follow our procedure. For a regular business, what are the guidelines then for them? If one employee does test positive for COVID, should all employees be notified that work? No, no. So uh, if, if an employee tests positive, then they will talk to an employee the way we, it's kind of parallel actually, uh, talk to someone who's positive. They will uh, identify who close contacts are and they'll ask close contacts to quarantine. They don't necessarily, I mean, they can if they want to, but they do not necessarily have to say, to, to close, a, close a large business because one person tested positive. That would be unusual, um, is that if, if one person in a large company tested positive that they would close the whole company. Uh, if they have an outbreak, they will. But usually the, 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 it would be uh, on an individual basis in terms of not everybody was a close contact. And so close contacts will be notified and, 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 and then asked to quarantine and all that is done confidentially. confidentially. Dr. Levine, nursing homes were on lockdown early in the crisis. How is it acceptable for them to have the most, the most deaths in the state? And how are so many new cases brought in in the first place? Mm -hmm. So new cases um, occur in nursing homes because fantastic staff um, are, are asymptomatic or maybe pre-symptomatic, and they are part, they live in the community, right? Staff live in the community, usually in the same county, or but maybe not, and they are working with the, their patients and are working in the in, in a nursing home, and they bring in COVID-19 because we know that asymptomatic individuals can carry the virus, and so um, we know that uh, that long-term care living facilities are our most vulnerable citizens because they are for the most part seniors and then seniors with chronic medical conditions, and those are the most vulnerable for COVID-19. Um, so, uh, and so that's how there's nursing, that's how the, the, the cases are brought into nursing homes. We have contacted every single long-term care living facility that has had positive cases. We do many different outreaches to that through our team, if there's more outreach necessary, then we have a contract with ECRI. They testified at a hearing a number of weeks ago before the House in terms of their uh, their work with the, with the facilities. Uh, if there is a potential violation we're concerned of, then we do a uh, our usual investigations by our QA staff. Um, not every case is a violation. I mean, again, that happens because of the asymptomatic spread of COVID-19. But if there was a potential violation, our staff will do either a virtual or, if necessary, our QA staff will don PPE and they will go into the into the facility and all of that has happened. Uh, we have educational seminars from the Patient Safety Authority. There are other groups that do educational seminars as well. Uh, and then if there are significant staffing issues, then we send in the National Guard uh, to be able to help and that has been done, I'm forgetting the number now, but um, many, many times now where we've had the National Guard go in. We've had a CBCD, two CDC strike teams that have been here. Uh, one has left, but one is still here uh, that has gone into nursing homes and now we have health and human service uh, public health officials that are being trained to go into facilities as well. Um, so we have done absolutely everything that we can to protect the citizens and the uh, the patients and the staff in these very vulnerable long-term care living facilities and we will continue to do that. We have also pushed out uh, I think one uh, 1,800 specific pushes of PPE to these facilities in the last month the, the folks facilities have been our priority for pushing out PPE. So we have absolutely done everything we can for these facilities. Sarah Goulet and then Barbara. Questions for the governor? Governor, this question is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. 
With gatherings of more than 250 people prohibited in the green phase, who will be responsible for enforcing that? Is it on business owners and individuals? Would state police be authorized to break up groups of that size or cite people who gather? Yeah, uh, I guess state police will have the ability to cite, but I liken this to stop signs. We all have stop signs. Anybody ever sat by a stop sign and watch how many cars actually come to a full stop? None. None. Now that's a law. And so enforcement could take place and, and they could be cited for actually not coming to a full stop at a stop sign. The reason stop signs work is because we self-enforce. And so we do have a guide, guideline that says 250 people is the, is the cap. You shouldn't be going beyond that or you're tempting fate. Uh, and if you go through a stop sign, you're tempting fate. You might be able to get through it. You, you might. Uh, and maybe in the most cases you do. But it's your choice. The, the enforcement is self-enforcement. And here, that's what's going to work ultimately. It's not going to be whether the state police issue citations. They can, I guess. It's not whether local law enforcement move in and say you can't come together. There are too many of you. I guess they can. But ultimately, it's going to be because business owners, individuals make decisions in their own minds that they are going to abide by the dictates of this virus that says you bring a lot of people together, I'm going to get you. I might, and I might, you, you might be able to dodge this bullet, but you're increasing the risk of danger. And, and that's what's going to, I think, work in yellow, in green, whatever the guidelines are. This is a self enforcement. 13 million Pennsylvanians have to recognize that we're all in this together. We're all fighting the same common enemy, and we've got to do the same things. Yes, Sarah. Barbara, then Governor, oh. uh, just a couple of questions. Sir. Uh, with sports camps being able to open uh, in green uh, phase counties and talking about school being in the fall, have you been in touch with the PIAA about high school athletics? I haven't been. I think people on my staff have been. I've been in touch with professional sports, uh, uh, including NASCAR, uh, the NFL, NHL, uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, and, and others, uh, but I don't know of all the, the contacts that, that my staff has been. Again, what we're all trying to do is, is develop, mainly in conjunction with these sports groups, uh, guidelines to say, what are we going to do? And they, they want to do the same thing. How do we keep our uh, uh, participants safe? How do we keep our staff safe? How, how, do we, how do we do the things that people want us to do while keeping all of us safe? And, and that's what we're trying to do, work out guidelines. Say schools will look different. Do you think high school sports in the fall would look different? I, I, I think everything's going to look different in the fall. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what does what a whiteout at Penn State look like in the fall? 120,000 people packed together. Can we do that and stay safe? I, we, we're all working with that. And I got to say, and the folks at Penn State are working with that. And I think every single high school and middle school and elementary school in the Commonwealth is thinking about how can we do, how can we get back to as close to normal as we can be, but keep people safe, keep the parents safe, keep the staff safe, keep the kids safe. Hi, Governor. Yeah. I wanted to follow up on a question I asked uh, a week or so ago about Southeastern Veterans Center. Mm -hmm. uh, the Attorney General has been asked to look at what happened there. Uh, and as is typical, he, he won't comment public on whether he is doing that. But uh, a lawmaker has told me that uh, during a state-level meeting, uh, it was mentioned that a separate investigation uh, by the state uh, is going to take place, or is likely to take place. Can you comment on that and on any uh, loss of confidence people might have in the system, the uh, DMVA system of veterans homes? Well, we're cer certainly looking into to, uh, the, the, the problems, and we want to make sure that, that uh, uh, to the extent there are, that we, we do something about it. And can you say anything about the, the, the MBA system, all the veterans' homes, and the, uh, the people who are associated with that one? Uh, we're, and we're doing uh, everything we can to make sure that we keep the folks who are there safe. Uh, and to the extent that, that uh, we get information that says that we could do better, we are taking that information to heart. And then Jim. Just to follow up on the school issue, you said they will reopen. Just to be absolutely clear, like physically reopen, you're confident that schools will physically reopen. That, that's our plan. Yeah, no, I mean, something might happen. Schools? Schools. 
Yeah, that something might happen. I, I, yes, there's a there's an opt out fake clause here that, that if if a comet strikes, you know. But we are doing everything we can to make sure schools are open on time in the fall. And then why is the shelter in place doing that again? Why is that so bad? Why is that such a bad? The shelter in place? Yeah. No, I'm just I think I don't know how you felt about it, but, but it was frustrating. And, and I think it's 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 a really great thing that people have done that. But if we can figure out a way to keep ourselves safe without having to resort to those draconian measures, I think we ought to do that. Uh, again, we were we resorted to those draconian measures because we were really concerned about a health care system that would be overwhelmed as it was in parts of New York, as it was in Italy, as it was in parts of Spain. We didn't want that to happen in Pennsylvania, and, I, and we avoided that. It might have happened. I think Drexel University did a study that said doing what we did as early as we did, as decisively as we did, saved 7,000 lives. I don't know where they got that information. That's Drexel University, but that's one city, in, in one county in Pennsylvania where we saved 7,000 lives. Maybe we saved more by doing that. But I don't think anybody would argue that that is something we all loved, uh, that our economy really came to a grinding halt. That's not great. So as we move forward, as we get more capacity in our healthcare system, as we learn more about this disease, the hope is that we can do much better uh, at, at balancing the competing needs of getting people back to, to work, getting back to school, getting life back to interacting with, with their loved ones uh, in this new post-infection, infectious disease world, but do that in a way that does not require us to do things as draconian as sheltering in place. Again, the, the virus keeps telling us that to the extent we can do that, we're, we're reducing the risk uh, of infection. But uh, I think people actually want to interact more. They want to go to stores. They, they want to go to school. They want to do those things. And I think everything we ought to do is try to figure out how, with what we have, we can do that. Jan has our last question. And kind of building off of this question, and this could be for either of you, now that you dropped a hint that there's going to be some guidance coming out to schools for next, next week, I I don't think that's a hint. We're, we're actually actively working on it. I think... Uh, uh, I don't know if Sarah or, or Lindsay can, can confirm, but next next week, I think early in the week, we will have those guidelines. The Department of Education has been working on that for a number of weeks now. And so can you, because parents and teachers are anxious, I mean, we saw that when uh, reports saying that 50 teachers are reluctant to go back to school or teach. Right. And, and so can you tell us what, generally, what this guidance is going to talk about the transportation? It, it, yeah, it gets it gets back to the the, the same thing. Every first of all, the, the, the each of the local education authorities have a, a lot to say about exactly what school is going to look like. We're we're providing guidelines, but ultimately. What you just said is what's going to drive everything. Do people feel comfortable coming to work? Uh, do parents, uh, I think it was Norway back uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago, said that uh, we're going to open our schools in the spring. We're going to open it right now. Uh, and almost overnight, 40,000 uh, people signed on to a Facebook page that said, you're not going to experiment with my kids. Ultimately, we all have to give people, parents, students, teachers, staff members, the confidence that they can come back to school in some semblance of, of normalcy. Uh, right now, uh, I think anybody could be forgiven for saying, I still have some, some concerns, I have some questions. And so these guidelines are going to be designed to say, Let, let's do everything we can to keep people safe. And that gets to things like class size, like how we, we uh, operate our, our school bus system, uh, like how we do sports, uh, like how we mix uh, online learning with in-person learning. All those things are going to be going into that, but ultimately what it comes down to is, am I going to be confident sending my child or going to a, uh, an event at school myself? Uh, and, and if we can't answer that question satisfactorily, we're going to have trouble. 